Hello, Lighthouse Church family. Pastor Joel here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning into another of our sermon podcasts. Hope there's a word for you today. Now, let's jump into your weekly dose of godly teaching for you. Or go online and uh, subscribe uh, to our website on, uh, at Lighthouse on YouTube, Lighthouse Niagara. And uh, you can catch the services if you've missed any of them uh, for the last uh, four or five Bible studies. So, um, but we've been uh, going around a verse, and it's, it began with this verse of uh, Zephaniah 3, verse 17. And I'm going to just read a few verses leading up to it because it, it declares God's tremendous love for us, even though there is judgment. A judgment that is coming, but the Lord is saying, I want, I want you to get to a place where you are hidden in me and under me and with me. That the judgment that, is, that will come uh, will not touch us. We will be hidden in the Lord. And uh, verse 17 is a beautiful verse, just indicating the tremendous love for us. Tremendous love of God for us. It says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout. O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. We're not, as we come to him, he's taking away our judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God, in your midst, the Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. To be in that place that God is, is rejoicing over us with gladness. And I'm going to focus in on this next week, this, these few verses. But I just want you to know the tremendous love that God has for us and for you in particular. That God knows you. God knows where you're at. And that you would just allow there to be a rejoicing over you with gladness. That he would quiet you with his love. So often we're, we're in su such turmoil. And the Lord wants to quiet us in his love. We, we have our, our soul is at peace and is at rest. As he rejoices over us with singing. Now. I want to continue on. And, and we're going to continue on in. Zephaniah 3, verse 18, from verse three, uh, 18. But when we look at the history of the, the children of God, they are supposed to be children of God, and we look at their history, we recognize that they, they were way off course, off track, out of line, apart from God. And as we, we look at this history, we recognize the judgment that was definitely warranted, the wickedness that was going on by the children of God. And even when it came to the coming of the Lord, when it came to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, there was a rejection of Jesus Christ as their Messiah. They rejected him. Who is Jesus to you? And today, I, I've, I've just entitled this, this message, Set Free. Set Free. That we be set free. Who is Jesus to you today? In Matthew 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? 
are that I, the Son of Man, am. What are, what are people saying about me? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Interesting question then. He says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Who am I to you? Who is the Lord Jesus Christ to you? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, which means the anointed one, the son of the living God. So there was this acknowledgement that Jesus was not just a good man, that Jesus was not just a rabbi and teacher, but that he was the anointed one, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If we would begin to recognize who we are as children of God, as a child of God, who Jesus is, and the, the things that he would have us do in these, these days, Lord, that those things would be accomplished in my life. Lord, that I would not just live life with a view of you that is diminished. Or that there's a sidetracking that I'm, I'm doing other things, perhaps, than what the Lord would have us do. Because even in this passage, even as, as Peter answered that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, immediately there was a turning to Peter and saying, you know what, Peter, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As we see Jesus as the Son of God, as we see him as the Christ, the anointed one, as we have that view of him, the Lord is saying, I want to do a work through you. Not, not just on you, not just to change you, but I want to do a work through you to minister to others. I want to give you, I've given you authority. I've given you power. I've given you the ability to come against the enemy. And the gates of hell will not prevail. To fight the enemy and overcome the enemy. So often we... Uh, We've, we feel or we're intimidated by that roaring lion. Or we're listening to the lies of the enemy and it's like we, we, there's doubt at times that creeps in. Can God really do this? And we, we're listening to the lie of the enemy. Is God great? Is he able to help me through the situation? And as we look at the situation, we, we recognize, man, this is way bigger than I am. But what kind of God do we serve? Is the God that we serve, is he the one that we recognize? He is the, he, Jesus is the son of God. And all power and authority has been given to him. And he's giving us the authority to bind things here on earth. And he's backing the authority he gives us with the, the, that all the power that he has He's backing us, even as we would bind things on earth, that they would be bound in heaven. I like that. You go ahead. You bind things on earth, and they will be bound in heaven. I'm backing. We're ba you have the Son of God. You have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit backing you as we see Jesus as the Son of the living God, the Christ, 
It was Jesus that the Jews rejected. They had rejected in the time of Zephaniah and before, and judgment was coming, and Zephaniah was saying, hey, judgment is coming. There's a warning, and I thank God there's always a warning in judgment. And as judgment would come, there's a warning that we can get things right. They had gone after other gods. The rejection of Jesus Christ as Messiah, even by those that were alive at his time. They said, even as they shouted for him to be crucified, let his blood be on us and our children. It's almost like that statement, that declaration came to pass. We're talking 33 years A.D. And that generation and their children would experience horrific, what should I say, attack that would come. So there was a revolt that began in 66 A.D. And to squash that, that revolt as the, there was those that would lead against the, the Roman Empire that were in that, that city, as they began to revolt, it, I got to the point where, where the legions would come to surround that city. And so in A.D. 70, there was a siege that began. And it began just a few days before the Passover. So the city was filled with people that had come to, to celebrate the Passover. Now, Lord, there was a warning. And you can take uh, Matthew 24... You can take it for that time. It was a warning for that time. And Matthew 24 is definitely a warning for our day. He says, when you see these things happening, when you see the armies coming, get out. Those that were believers, they got out of the city. And it was on April 4th, 70 AD, that's four Roman legions surrounded the city of Jerusalem, which was a walled city. It was a walled city. Even to this day, the walls, there's walls that are still standing from 2,000 years ago. And there was a siege that began, and it lasted from April the 4th right to uh, September the 7th and 8th of 70 AD. And Josephus, who was a historian at that time, says that with these 70,000 men and these four legions that came, there was a, a death that came. His estimation was over a million people that died in that siege. And most of them were civilians. Most of them were civilians. In Zephaniah 3.18 it says, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly. Who are among you to whom its reproach is a burden? The appointed assembly. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly. Who are among you to whom its reproach is a burden. The, the children of God were scattered all over the, um, the world. I just, I, I did a, a bit of a search regarding the scattering of the Jews after AD 70. Because basically it ceased to be a, a nation. It says here that there would be a gathering. And the gathering has already begun. 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years from 
from 2,000 years ago, from A.D. 70. But even from Zephaniah, who, who was writing around 630 B.C. So this is 630 years before Christ, 2,600 plus years from us today. He says, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly, a gathering, and a sorrow. Let me say, why it was, would there be such sorrow? Why would there be such reproach against the Jews? So I, I did a bit of a, a search. And this is uh, pre-World War II and even during the war. Uh, the number of Jews were scattered globally approximately 38 to over 38 different cities. Let me just see if I can pull it up quickly. Or not just cities, we're talking uh, countries. And I, I don't know if I have it here. Probably not. Oh, let me check. Let me just tell you some of the countries. Oh, maybe not. Here we go. Just, just a few numbers quickly. Albania, the pre-war Jewish population, just 200. 200 Jews. You might say, you get, where did you get these numbers from? Basically, uh, the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum gathered information. Also, uh, an organization that was established in 1953, the National Authority for the Remembrance of the Martyrs and Heroes, Heroes of the Holocaust, called Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem is the, the organization. And so they were uh, tabulating uh, the, the numbers of Jews. Aust Austria, 185,000 Jews. Belgium, 90. Bulgaria, over a half a million Jews in Bulgaria. Czechoslovakia, 354,000. Bohemia and Moravia, 117,551. Slovakia, around 90,000. Uh, student, student, den land. Student, den land. Anyways, never heard of that country. 236, uh, 2,363 Jews. Denmark, 7,500. Estonia, 4,500. France, between 300,000 to 330,000. Germany had 237,000. Greece, 71,611. And the list goes on and on. Some of the bigger uh, countries, Poland had 3.35 million Jews in Poland. Uh, Soviet, the Soviet Union in Russia, or the Soviet Union had three, over 3 million Jews. Jews as well. So they were scattered all over. And there was a, as this, this reproach of the Jews to the point, and I just, I'll just take a few numbers here. From Poland, 3.35 million Jews. You know how many were murdered? There was between 2.8 to 3 million Jews that were, that were murdered just in Poland. 90% of the, of the Jewish population. We're talking millions in just one country. In Lithuania, 153,000 uh, Jews, roughly. There was 130,000 of the 153,000 killed during World War II, a reproach. You were seen as a reproach, and there was an, an acting against them. In Russia, of the 3 million, there was 1.34 million, about roughly 41% of all the Jews in, in the Soviet Union were, were murdered, were killed. The total number, they estimate of the the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum estimated they gave a very distinct number, 
431,569 Jews pre-war. And of those 10.4 million Jews that were scattered all over, there was between 5.8 to 6.2 million Jews that died over the course of just a few years. A reproach. 60% of the Jews that were outside, there was no Israel. There was no Israel at that time. And yet God is saying this assembly, this appointed assembly that would take place, a gathering together, they would come back together. And on May 14th, 1948, there, the Jews became a country again. And there was about half a million that had gathered uh, prior to that. And by the time of them becoming a, a nation, which has never happened in all of history, has a nation that's been de decimated and, and, and scattered become a, gone back to be a nation after almost 2,000 years. And it is only because of God's word to them. That from Abraham, the, the promise given to one man, because God does love, even when, when his children go astray, there is judgment that comes. There is a reproach that may happen. There is a chastisement that may take place. But the Lord God desires. He does not want the death of a sinner. He doesn't want the death of, of a, a ch his child or his children, but that they would come to repentance. And so here, in just one day, they became a nation. The very next day, they had five countries attack them at one time. Five countries attacked the very next day, May, May 15th. And God was with them. God was with them. It's history. You can Google it. Check it out. Christ's love for us. Not only is there a tremendous love for Israel, his children, but there is a tremendous love for us. And specifically, Christ loved us. Does Christ love you? Does Christ love even the... Uh, the unbeliever. Listen to this. This is Romans chapter 5 verse 6. For when we were still without strength. In due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. I don't know about you but uh, maybe for a righteous man you might die. For a good, good man, you, you, you may say, you know what? I would die for somebody that's a righteous, good man. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners. So God is saying to us, I love you very much. And there is this aspect of even while we were opposed or sinners, we had nothing to do with God or we didn't want to have anything to do with God, that Jesus died for us because he, he loves us. And to take the brunt, you might say, why did Jesus die? To take the brunt of God's judgment and wrath for us. So he took he took the wrath of God while he hung on the cross and all the sins of mankind were placed on him in a moment of time. I believe that the moment that Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? was the moment that all the sins of mankind were put on him. And there was a turning away as, as the God the Father just, I can't, I can't see this. And Jesus hung between heaven and earth. And he hung for us that we could have life. And he took the brunt of the wrath of God, of the Father, on himself for you and for me. 
because he loves us. I just say thank you, Lord, for your tremendous love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Lord desires for there to be salvation that comes as we believe in him. His heart is not to condemn the world, but that we would be saved. That we would be saved from judgment. That we would be saved from our sins as we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We need that. That we would turn from our sins. That we would not continue in the sin. We would turn from them. It's like, I know that you died for me, Jesus, but I'm going to continue to sin on purpose, knowing. It's almost like we just keep putting it on Jesus again and again. And the Lord is saying, I loved you. The grace where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. But God forbid that we would continue to live in sin, to continue. And I recognize, you say, Pastor Dave, do you, are you at a place where you, you no longer sin? Let me just make a, a, a clarification on this. I don't go out to say, you know what? Today, I'm going to sin. I'm going to go out in purpose, and I'm going to sin. There are some people that it seems like as they wake up, it's like, you know what? I have no intention of changing my ways. That we would turn from our sin as we place our faith in Jesus Christ and as we keep our faith in Jesus Christ. And he's going to be our covering in the, the day of God's judgment. He has already taken the brunt. Interesting thing in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 19. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. Right now, there's affliction going on. And the, the, uh, the Is Israeli army uh, is the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, is trying to root out the, the enemy. And so there's already uh, not just Hamas, there's Hezbollah to the north and to the, to the uh, east. There's, there's Iraq that is saying, hey, you know what? They're supporting and, and supplying and, and funding these terrorist groups. There's those that are in the, the, the Houthis in Yemen. Their intent is... We want to destroy Israel. There's such a, a hatred that is there. And the Lord says, Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I'm going to deal with these nations, these countries. I'm going to deal with them. There's a day coming. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. And that's happening. It's happened. The... Uh, I think the population, an amazing thing is the population of Israel at this point in time is, I think, just around 8.1, 8.2 million people. Of that, did you know that there is, I think, 1.3 or 4 million Arab people, Muslims, in the country that basically... Uh, have dem democratic voice in the country. And so they, they don't mind staying in the country. They, they say this is, a, this is a country that is, yeah, they have to protect themselves, but it's safe. The Lord says, I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lamb and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. 
I will appoint them for praise and fame. Appointed for praise and fame. It says in Genesis 12, verse 1, listen to this, listen to this. And this was, this is about almost 4,000 years. Genesis chapter 12 is about 4,000 years ago, all right? Abraham lived at that time, okay? So about 2,000 B.C. It says, now the Lord said, had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. So the Jewish people are descendants of Abram through Isaac and Jacob. In fact, the, all the Arab nations may say, where did the Arabs come from? The Arabs came from Abraham and Sarah trying to help God. At the point of God saying this, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. Does anybody have an idea of how old Abraham was? Huh? How old? No. Nope. Nope. You're getting closer. He was 75. When God spoke to him, he was 75 years of age. Does anybody know how old his wife was? 10 years younger, 65. Women... Just like today, there's not any change in the, the, the time to be fer fertile, fertile, to have children. So what's the age that normally, you know what, you're, you're running into problems at a certain age as a woman. What age is that? 18? <laughs> Good one. You run into trouble when you're 18. Yeah, well. If you wanted to have a child, what age is it normally at where you say, okay, you know what, you're getting 30? 40. So the thing is this, from the time a woman is born, from the time that a baby girl is born, all the eggs... This is a little bit of bio biology for you. All the eggs that will, are to be produced are already there. And so what's happening is the eggs are getting older and older and older. So by the time they're, they're 40, it's like there's a good chance that there's going to be an issue or a problem. Not to say you can't, but by the time you're 40, that could be an issue, right? Well, Sarah was already... 65. Were there any children? There were no children. She was past having children. There was no children. And so the Lord said, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you and I make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And here he is, 75 years of age. His wife is 65 and so even as time progressed, it's like, Lord, a great nation, and we don't even have a child. And so Sarah said, hey, Abraham, take my servant girl, my concubine, my, the one that helps me out, take her and have a child through her because it's not going to happen. It's not happening. And so Abraham knew Hagar, and there was a son born, Ishmael. And Ishmael became the father of the nations. He had 12 sons, and they became princes and chiefs. There was chieftains 
And there was a whole group of Arabs. They're half-brothers or half-siblings to the Jews. The Is it says in the New Testament that, that uh, the offspring of Sarah were the children of promise. There's a promise. I'm going to bless you and make your name great, Abraham, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It is through Abraham and the lineage. If you read Matthew chapter 1, it starts from, the, from Abraham, and every single generation is mentioned right to Jesus. Every single one, 52 generations from Abraham all the way to Jesus. The earth will be blessed through Jesus because of Jesus. Now, regarding Abraham, you know what? Israel's not perfect. Man, they, they, they're still waiting for the Messiah. You know what? We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Don't pray against or curse the children of God. They are children of God. Don't come. Don't curse them. Pray for them. They need salvation, just like you and I needed salvation. They need to have Jesus. The Lord is protecting the children of God, the Jews, despite their being apart from him. Despite the fact that they have not accepted, there's very few Christian Jews, or Messianic Jews is what they call them. There's very few. They still need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. They need salvation just like you and I. It says, I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. Israel was supposed to be a nation under God and every, all the other nations, that they would, when they would look to Israel, they would say, we want to have the God that they have. We need to have the same God. And because Israel was not serving God, there was things happening and as they took gods from other country or nations and they were the wickedness, as they took other gods, they were supposed to, to let others know we serve a living God. We don't serve idols. We're not serving demons or we, we're, we're not supposed to be serving demons. We serve a living God that others would look in a, on the nation and say, I want to serve the God that they serve. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. There is a day coming. There is a day coming when Israel will come to know Jesus as Messiah in one day. In one day. You can read it in Zechariah chapter 12, chapter 13 and 14. It talks about the day of the Lord. Hasn't happened yet. It's coming. And in one day, an entire nation that is left, two-thirds of the, the nation will die in the battle of Armageddon. And so they're going to be going out to fight against all the Antichrist and, and the, the false prophet and all the nations that have come, that the Antichrist has overtaken. The ten kings from the north, from the east, they're going to be coming. There will be probably hundreds of millions of men in that valley of Megiddo. Hasn't happened yet. And they're going to go out to battle. It says in Zechariah that two-thirds of the, the, force, the forces of the, I guess, the IDF will be destroyed, will be killed. And even as the people are retreating into the city, there is a crying out, God, we need you. Messiah, come. We need you. We need you. Come, Messiah. Otherwise, we are done in. And that's the point that we're, we are going to show up as the King of kings and Lord of lords is, is 
riding on that horse. And those that are part of the army of God, that's us, will be riding with them. I'm looking forward to that day. I am looking forward to that day where we will be on those horses that, can, that are coming from the heavenlies as we do battle. Amazing. Everything that God has spoken has come to pass that should have come to pass. The things that are still to be, they will come to pass as well. And I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame that the, the Jews during the millennium, the reign of Jesus Christ here on this earth, there is going to be such a beautiful uh, rejoicing over the children of God and who they are in all the lands. There's going to be blessing flowing. And they're going to be praised and their fame in every land where they were put to shame. Those 38 nations, who knows how many more nations there are at this point in time where the Jews are scattered all over this globe. Now, what about us? I know this passage is for, for the Jews and for Israel. What about us? There's a passage that the Lord put on my heart this past week. And I've read this passage many times, and I've always stopped before, before verse 9. And you've heard me say this, and I just, I'll say this to all of you. If you want an open door in your life, if you want open doors, not closed doors, you're always coming up a closed door, but if you want an open door, you do what the Church of Philadelphia did. And it's, it's true for today. These things, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? This is Revelations 3, 7. These things says he who is holy, he who is true. That's Jesus. He who has the key of David. That's Jesus. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works, Jesus is saying to the church of Philadelphia. I know your works. I know every action, every thought. I know it all. See, I have set before you an open door. Why do they have an open door? And no one can shut it, for you have little strength. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit. You have little strength. You have kept my word. Lord, I'm going to know your word, and I'm going to do your word. I'm going to hear your word, and I'm going to take it in. I'm going to do your word, not hear and not do. I'm going to do your word. You want an open door? You want to have uh, things? You might say, man, it seems like everything that I do doesn't work out. Let me just say this. This is going past just the opposition of the enemy. It is because I believe that you're probably not doing what the Lord, you're not depending on him. You're not depending on the Holy Spirit. You're depending on yourself or something of this world. Secondly, you don't keep his word. You've kept my word. So you know what you should do, and you don't do it. So it's not, it's, oh, man, it's the enemy. No, it's, it's the Lord saying, the door isn't open for you. You don't have an open door. Start to do the word of the Lord. I'm going to start to do what the Lord would have me do. Stop doing things that are opposed to him. And have not denied my name. I cannot believe how many believers deny Jesus' name. They say Jesus. They say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, but they deny his name. Their confession is not Jesus. And I mentioned this the last few weeks. Their confession is not Jesus. And him crucified, their confession is everything but. My confession is I need whatever. I need more money. That's my confession. If I, if I had right relationship, I need right relationship. Sure. And there's a confession about why your life is the way it is. And it's not declaring Jesus' name. There's a denying of Jesus' name. 
And so you go through the motions, having a form of godliness, and you deny the power of God in your life, even in his name. And so the door is closed. Lord, that I would not deny your name. Now, this next verse is the one that I, I, I would usually stop here, and I just, ah, I, I'm not quite getting this next one up until this week. I'm sure there might be other things, but I know that this would be one of them that this passage means. Let me explain, and let me read it first. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan that worship Satan, that are, are bound by Satan, have sold their soul deliberately to Satan, or they're just serving him. Jesus said, if God's not your father, than Satan is. I serve. God's not my, my father. I follow the, the father of lies that is there to steal, kill, and destroy. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Appointed for praise and fame. And it hit me. Tying in with the gates of Hades. The, the gates of Hades, of hell, will not prevail against the church. Will not prevail against us as we move forward. And as I've been saying the last month and before, the only thing that Satan has that is of value are souls. And when a, when a person gets saved, when you have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ who was in the synagogue of Satan, was serving Satan, was, was apart from God, and you have the opportunity to lead them to Christ, there's this thing of them coming to you and worshiping before your feet. Just coming to you to worship before your feet, as in even to stand before you. And what they will say is this. Thank you so much for sharing the gospel with me. Thank you for, for loving me even when I was apart from God and I've come to God. How many of you were led to the Lord by somebody? Most of, in fact, pretty well everybody was led to the Lord by somebody. Or the, the, the Lord began to, to speak into your life and heart. If you were led to the Lord by somebody else, whether it was in church, whether it was at home, at your parents, uh, whoever, you were dead in trespasses and sins. And it says that, the, the, that we were under the prince of the air. And we were those that, that were children of disobedience and that should experience the wrath of God. But then there was salvation that came. You say, oh, thank you for so-and-so in my life. In fact, just yesterday, I was, I was on the phone with somebody. And here's what they said. He said, I worked with this man for six years. And he, was, he was of a different religion, or he was of a religion that was not Christian, for six years, this man mocked and persecuted and spoke against this Christian brother at work. And this brother didn't retaliate, didn't say anything that would, would give Jesus a bad name. And for six years, he just showed him the love of Christ, even though the other one was mocking and putting him down. Even as this man was leaving his, his work, there was this call that came from this individual. He said, listen, I want to thank you for always showing love despite my persecution, or my persecuting of you. You always showed the love of God. You always showed the love of Christ, even though I was mocking you and doing all these different things. And a result, as a result of this display of love, 
this man is now said is reading the Bible and he's moving towards the Lord just because of, of a person's actions and the things that came out of their mouth. And there's this thanking. Thank you for always showing love despite the persecution was leading them to a place of coming to know Christ. Pray for this man. His name is Peter. Pray for Peter that he will, there will be a, a complete surrender even as he reads the word of God. And this is where the, enemy, or the, the Lord would say, hey, even to those that are part of the synagogue of, of Satan or following Satan, whether they, they did it deliberately or whether they just, hey, I don't, I'm not serving God and I don't want to serve God. And they're serving this liar, the father of lies. And we have an opportunity to speak into their lives. We have an opportunity to, to minister to them. This passage is called, or this message is called Set Free. Just getting text, sorry. Person is just, thank you, thank you for putting this together. I'm going to be getting together with this couple. Thanks for putting this together. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. A little confirmation there. Thank you for putting this together. Times be meeting with this couple over the course of the next two and a half weeks to set the captive free. At that time, I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you, for I will give you, give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth. This is Zephaniah 3.20. He's saying it again. When I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. The ones that are still captive in other lands, are, they're going to be coming home. They're coming home. I'm going to set the captive free. Hallelujah. The Jews will be set free in one day. Zechariah 12, it says in verse 8, In that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David. And the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. This hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. Verse 10, it says, And I will pour on the house of David, on the Jews, on the, the Israelis, and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication, where they're going to cry out. Then they will look on me, whom they pierced. I don't know how they get around this, this verse. They will look on, whom, on me, whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for, for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Hallelujah. What helps us to set the captive free? Well, this is what it says of Jesus Christ. Luke 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up in his hometown where he was brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So he had done this many times. They knew Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. Hey, that's a carpenter's son, Joseph's son. Now, on that particular day, there was things that had happened just prior to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Just prior to that. Powerful. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the accept, acceptable year of the Lord. This is the year of the Lord. This is the year of Jubilee. This is the year of freedom. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled 
in your hearing. He was quoting from Isaiah 61. He's quoting from this scroll of Isaiah, and he went to that spot, and he quoted that passage. No New Testament word, the New Testament had not yet been written. And this is him as he began his ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Is the Spirit of the Lord on us? Are we there to set the captive free? Do you need to have help in setting the captive free? We need the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, that I would not quench your Spirit, that I would not restrain or grieve the Holy Spirit, even as someone that is Spirit-filled, we can still grieve the Holy Spirit, that I would not say no, but that I would say yes. If I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, I want the Spirit of the Lord upon my life that I can go and set the captive free to preach the gospel to the poor, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, to preach. Liberty is what it says in the King James Version, to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. To the captives to, that they would be set free, that there would be a recovery of sight to the blind, those that can't see, and whether this is physically or whether it is mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, but the Lord is saying there's going to be sight that comes. For some, the blind seeing. For others, it'll be their understanding, their eyes being open, revelation coming as they see who Jesus is as we proclaim as we preach the gospel of life and liberty to them. Hallelujah. Is the Spirit of the Lord on me? Can we see that others would be set free from the synagogue of Satan? And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I want everything from you, but I don't want to submit to you baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. Don't want it. It's like, what? He's the one that saved you. Lord, that I would be baptized in, your spirit, in, the, in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to take over? Are you going to take charge? Are you going to overcome the Roman Empire? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. When the time comes, yeah, I'm going to be king. King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is king of kings and Lord of lords. But at this time, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Right till now. The end of the earth. Chronologically, not just geographically, to the ends of the earth, because we're a good distance from, from Jerusalem, but to the end of the earth, also chronologically. There's so many that say, this word end doesn't have to do with chrono, chrono, uh, time. It doesn't have to do with time because the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not for today is one of the biggest lies that is propagated by believers, by entire denominations. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven because they were waiting as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Don't want to speak in tongues. Don't want that. Lord, give me the Spirit without measure, the same Spirit that was on you. Because look at what happens. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, this is 
verse 14, Acts 2. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel 800 years prior. It shall come to pass, this is Joel speaking. You can read it in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I don't want it. Don't want it. To be set free, to set the captive free. Lord, pour out your spirit upon me, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a desire of God to see many saved. And I'm saying to you at this last, in these last days, Lord, fill us with your spirit that we can set the captive free. Lord, that we would go out in boldness, those that are part of our family, that they would be set free, they would be saved. That those that are part of my, our, our family, extended family, those that are our neighbors, those that are our friends, those that we are working with, Lord, that they will come to know you because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Hallelujah, let it be. Can we stand together? Hallelujah. This Jesus God has raised up, of which you, we are all witnesses, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Jesus on the right hand of the Father. The things that they were seeing and hearing at that point was from God the Father, the promise of the Father, and Jesus is it's being poured out. The Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. For David did not ascend into heavens, but he said, says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The father said to the son, sit at my right hand. The Lord said to my Lord, till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus went, he went willingly to the cross. It was determined before time began that he would go to the cross. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call, that we have salvation in and through Jesus Christ, and that we too would be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go out and see others come to know Him. And with many other words, He testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received His word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. One message, one day, and the power of the Holy Spirit as the message of the cross went forth, and there was a response. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What the Lord wants to do before his return, those that you've been praying for, your family members, your friends, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that there would be life flowing through you and that you would be able to speak to them life. The power of the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's agree together tonight. Holy Spirit, come. Hallelujah. You know what? Can I have the worship team come? And uh, that last song that we sang, we're going we're gonna to sing as, as soon as we finish praying. If you want to come to the altar, you want to maybe pray for your, your family members or whatever, come to the altar. Lord, fill me with your spirit. If you've not been filled with the spirit of God, Lord, let the, the spirit of the Lord be upon me. The same spirit that was on Jesus, let it be upon me. Hallelujah. Just let's come. Let's, let's just close with, with a prayer of, of submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and also, Lord, baptize me afresh and anew in your spirit. The Lord, the spirit of the Lord be upon me. Lord, I thank you. Lord, you desire to give us the privilege of leading many to you.
Lord, the most exciting thing that, that I could possibly do is to have an opportunity one-on-one -on -one to lead somebody to Christ. Lord, what an exciting thing. Lord, uh, this, this Friday is I have an opportunity to lead two people to Christ. Lord, let it be done. Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, as we have opportunity to invite this Sunday night, or we can invite them to church on a Sunday morning, any Sunday morning. Lord, maybe they'll, they, they, they wouldn't come to church. Maybe they'll come and watch a football game and hear about Jesus at halftime. Lord, that we would bring, that we would invite those. Well, maybe they'll come. There's nothing to lose in inviting. At the, at the very least, they might, they'll probably say no, or they may say no, or they may surprise us. So, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that we would take opportunity even for next Wednesday. We have opportunities each and every day to be that witness, Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit would be upon us. In Jesus' name. And, Lord, even as your Spirit is upon us, Lord, that we would have the privilege of coming against the gates of Hades. And, Lord, those that are of the synagogue of Satan, Lord, will say thank you for setting me free. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for coming. Those that are in mental anguish, Lord, those that are in torment, Lord, those that are addicted and bound, Lord, set free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, the, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we will make room for you. We will make room for you. We will make room for your spirit, that your spirit would fill us Lord, that it would just not just fill us, but it would flow from us, an overflow of your Spirit. Lord, that we would not be content. Well, I've got it contained. I've got the Spirit within me, so I've got it contained, and that's good enough. Lord, I pray for an overflow. Rivers of living water flowing from us in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray as we worship you, as we make this song our, pr our prayer, Lord, I pray let there be a beautiful work done. What is to come? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus. Pastor Joel here. Thanks again for tuning into this sermon podcast. Just a reminder to come join us 10 a.m. Sundays, either in person or live streamed at lighthouseniagara.com. God bless and have a great day.